0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast!
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
0: Hello, hello! Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, obviously, Teachers Talk Radio. This is leading in the 21st century with Mark Nichols, your host. Today, we will be sharing with you something fascinating. Um, again, linked to um, the the struggles that we may face in the 21st century um specifically hold on
1: this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live tune in live at ttradio.org or to join the conversation download the podbean app and search teachers talk radio follow the hashtag #ttradio. tune in talk it out with teachers talk radio
0: and there you go that is our intro done so today we are diving into the fascinating world of artificial intelligence in education with i must say a true trailblazer in the field Um, none other than dan fitzpatrick a leading figure in the ai revolution he has been titled the ai educator um, author of the best-selling book, or yet to come out, should I say, but Dan, you will introduce, we'll discuss that as time goes on. Now, we will be talking about all things artificial intelligence in schools, where I'll be posing some, you know, some questions, really, to kind of play the, you know, play the field here as to what artificial intelligence does look like in education, but really to kind of get our heads around and grasp this this transformative technology that is, um, going to be taking place around us and um, now before we get into the nitty-gritty though let's take a moment just to introduce our guests. Um, Dan I do believe you are in the studio with me now so yeah if you don't mind introduce yourself.
2: Yeah well yeah it's good to be with you and thanks for inviting me on. Um, you've, you've got the probably the best slot of the week here six o'clock on a Friday Adam, <laughs> I don't know what it's... you've done to offend someone. But, uh... <laughs>
0: the early days yeah early days. <laughs>
2: Uh yeah no it's good to be here. Uh, my name's Dan. I you can probably tell from my accent I'm I'm based in the northeast of England. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently my job is I am strategic lead for digital for a group of colleges in the northeast of England. So that includes Northumberland cool. College, Northumberland College and Hartlepool Sixth Form. Uh, I've got a team of about 25 people and we're kind of leading the digital strategy and and kind of trying trying to change things up, bring things into the 21st century really there. Um before that I've been there about a year and a half. Before that, I was on the senior leadership team of a secondary school in County Durham. Yeah. Um, and I was teaching kind of all sorts really as you as you do get, get into senior leadership, you kinda of plug the gaps where 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 they're needed really. So I was teaching my main subject is R E actually. So yeah. kind of nothing to do with uh technology. But uh yeah, so I was trained as an RE teacher, I was teaching business studies, geography, a bit of history and uh yeah, so uh yeah, kinda of quite a varied educational career and then always kinda of took an interest in educational technology ever since I did my training and really kind of um, saw the benefits of Google for education first and and, and kinda of saw how it was transforming classrooms and how the workflow of students, teachers making things more efficient, um, and then the tools allowing and this is long before cool market to so allowing Remote work to be done and yeah, yeah. and um and and efficiency with marking all of that and I kind of become a bit of a, a bit of an evangelist a bit of a real passion for it really so started off in my own school where I was training and then kind of started doing some kind of training work for Google and Google partners, and and just kind of that became kind of my second life outside the classroom, really. Um, Can
0: I I just go back slightly there, Dan, you you know, what what was it? What was, when were you bitten by the bug in terms of technology, like within your career? Was there a particular moment that you could like actually pin it to? Or is it like, as you say, is it just kind of crept through your, your, um, your, your
2: professional life? It was training, I think so. I trained with um, United Learning, um and I remember I think a few months in I was on the skid programme I was working at um Akron oh, yeah. Academy in the north in the northwest. I was living in yeah. Manchester at the time and I remember being in a session where um a guy called Tim who who kinda looked after the, the, the computing department meant he was doing a bit of C P D and he mentioned uh, Google Drive or Google Classroom and I remember th-
0: I think I've lost you there, Dan can you hear me yeah i got you got you back so you use a uh, google classroom yeah
2: yeah i mentioned google so my my google assistant took over the phone sorry <laughs> um, yeah so uh i'll yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to mention google again uh, i just did uh so yeah so i kind of i kind of i never the whole concept of educational technology um was very foreign to me at the time and I, i'd have been teaching a couple of months so but then, when I heard that there was actually there was more efficient ways of doing things, and I guess it came down to cloud technology at the end of the day. And I thought, actually, this is this could have some real benefit for for how we work. And 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 I and I just noticed that as I was being trained as a teacher, and I was looking around where I was working, and and no fault to the school, amazing school, but there was a lot of inefficiencies. Yeah, uh, and I think there was inefficiencies probably in every school. And I just kind of saw how technology could actually improve things and and make life easier. And I kind of kind of been my own private motto really that, that technology should make a life then, easier. Ob- if it doesn't, then then get thrown out the window essentially.
0: Yeah, and then obviously we have the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, and suddenly those inefficiencies within schools come into light, and the big drive to use technology and to adopt cloud platforms and to adopt. Um, cloud-based learning and, and online learning so I would imagine at that point you were coming into your own a teacher that had some experience there is that is is that fair to say?
2: Yeah I, I suppose everywhere I'd been um, teaching I'd, I'd I'd always move them over to Google like I, it was kind of I couldn't even help it like if, even if I wasn't going for a role any technology or even if I was coming into the school just as a an RE teacher hmm. I'd, I'd soon think I, i'd be like mainly for myself really because especially when you start a new school and you're used to all the the kind of the, the workflows and the tech that you've been using at your old school and you come in and and they're still using things from 10 years ago and you just think yeah oh, i need it for my own sanity <laughs> and then so you I, I end up you end up transforming this whole school just just so you can have <laughs> have the tech tools you want um, and that's kind of like that's kind of how I worked really and and <laughs> kinda of, yeah, I just I love that. I kinda of, I kinda of the type of person who loves being on the edges of things, I think. And I loved um kind of like running breakfast clubs to train teachers up on technology and really kind of grassroots um grassroots change within education really and then kind of getting the year of of the leadership team in the head and kind of moving that way. And then in exactly what you said there Mark about hmm. COVID kind of came of it into its own and we because I done a lot of groundwork in the previous years of, of moving the school over to Google, Google Classroom. Uh, we found that literally the first I remember when we went into lock, it was announced we were going to go into lockdown. I think it was March. Hmm. God knows what date it was, uh, what year it was. So I don't know about you, but the past few years just seem to have merged into one. But uh, maybe 2021 was it or 2020?
0: I think yeah it's it's like you say it is a bit of a merger for me as well like time
2: yeah <laughs> yeah um uh, but I remember, anyway I remember th- I remember thinking we well, we've got everything the only thing that we kind of really needed to do was cuz we we weren't really using Google Meet which is which is Google's video um, yeah 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 platform so we we, we literally did a couple of cpd sessions and i think it was like the Thursday and the friday evening of that last week we were in school where we went right here's google meet here's how to put a link to a google meet in your classroom because at that point it wasn't integrated um and and we were away we literally started a, an online live video called timetable on With Monday. Th- it was, th- was no down day at all so we were we were in a fantastic position to do that, and I, and and like you say, I kind of I came into my own really, and 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 was able to play a massive part in, in kind of running the online school during lockdown.
0: Well, I, f- I find it absolutely fascinating that you know if we were to go back, say five years, you know, even though the technology was there to do, uh, you know, online calls like video calls, et cetera, it wasn't adopted within the education sector. I and mean, I can't speak for other sectors, but it wasn't present as it is today. Like You know i find myself in video call meetings working within a trust on a you know daily basis on in some on some occasions um but anyway i I do want to move this interview forward dan you're here you're going to discuss with us um the concept of artificial intelligence in, in in education um so i do have a few questions drafted for you um i think first and foremost you know how do you see ai technology transforming the future of education and you know what do you think are some of the most exciting developments um that you or we are likely to see in this area
2: yeah i would start off with a small question (laughs) well they (laughs) they
0: they get they get more challenging they really um Um,
2: yeah so by the way if you can hear uh, kids screaming in the background it's it's bedtime oh cool cool sorry to disturb you on your um, family (laughs) time (laughs) fiance's putting them to bed. So yeah. Um uh well I suppose I think the first thing to say is AI has kind of been in our lives for a while now. Um probably looking at kind of some of the some of the big advances that we, we first saw in AI, especially kind of this new type of AI was was back in like the early I would say the late noughties really in terms of kind of image recognition, face recognition software. Mm. It's kind of how where where kind of this kind of started really in that and that kind of the learn how how ai systems learn um and and that really started that era and over the last 10 to 12 years we've we've seen products slowly come to market but the chances are you probably won't even know about it because well most people won't because what they, they haven't come onto the market is big and a big explosion really like we've seen in the last few months they've uh, products that have been made by people like Google, Microsoft, hmm. um, Amazon, Netflix have just been integrated into already existing tools. So, for example, the mobile phone in, in, in your hands right now, if you if I mean, I'm guessing that's where it is, that's where most mobile phones are. Um, it's not. Mobile... As close by somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, usually. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, the amount of artificial intelligence in that is is just phenomenal. Um, And you probably don't know about it in, in the camera, um you might have a scanner in there that if it does facial recognition to open your phone if it does if if it does takes your thumbprint to open your phone then that's just scratching the surface mm. the i mean look around your home chances are you might have an alexa or a google assistant that that runs on that you use amazon which which recommends things based on ai netflix does so ai, AI is really part of our lives but there there's been a leap over the last over the last few years um mm. Especially with a company called OpenAI, so OpenAI, um, founded by a few entrepreneurs, including Elon Musk, actually, um, back in two thousand sixteen, I think they were, and mm. essentially their mission was to create a a language simulator, so an AI could replicate a human, human. In order to do that, they had to train it, and 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 that's kind of the key part of of any AI system. And um, I was talking to, I had a great privilege of. Chatting for a few hours a couple of nights ago with Priya McCarney, who is the CEO of Century Tech, um, and and she's she's kind of a whiz with the guy She she's just a, she's an expert. She works with the government. She she builds her own AI products like Century Tech. and Okay. And she um, she was explaining to me that actually, true AI doesn't. You can't just create a, a true AI machine overnight. You have to spend years and years and years training it and tweaking it, and that's what's been happening behind the scenes, really, especially with with Open AI and, and their chat. Or what is their their chat GPT mm. what to become? And eventually, it's got it got to a point where they they was apparently from from what I hear they it it shocked them their latest version, which is uh, GPT three point five, which is the version that's in Chat GPT. And they started offering it as a, as a kind of plug-in for, for companies back in early 2022. And then in the summer, they decided, let's let's create our own user interface, which was essentially a chatbot. You know, if, you, if you've ever used ChatGPT, you'll, you'll, yeah. it feels a bit like WhatsApp or, or Facebook Messenger. And they've essentially just stuck that top of their artificial intelligence machine and just kind of went, right, well, let's release this and and by doing that in late november i think they went to a million users within 24 hours and a hundred million users within just under two months which is the ever product to go to million users i think TikTok. Well, um, yeah was, was it seven months before that so they they've put it out there as a bit of an experimental um experimental research project really to see how this ai is going to interact and it's kind of taken off, and that's how we've kind of got the, the the big news stories, the the buzz that we've got now because of the power of this. Well,
0: when what you happens? when you say it's taken off, Dan, like it really has taken off. Like for for you know, I I I first came across the concept of AI uh, probably in twenty sixteen, and you know, reading about it in in, in literature, etc. And then studying for my masters, uh, you know, attending courses and talking about the future of education, and this was a huge module. You know, you know, looking at how AI is going to shape the future of education. And, I, you know, I was going back to the schools that I was working at at the time and saying and talking about artificial intelligence. You know, I even uh, during a CPD, I questioned uh, some high ranking figure within the, the DfE uh, so David Carter, I think it was, um, and I was like, well, what do you think about AI?" And this was um, this year in November. He's like, "Oh no, that's miles down the road. It's years away. It's not going to have an impact on education. Not you know, not in the foreseeable future." And then, in the space of you know a few months, coming to January, suddenly it's on the scene and everybody's discussing it. And I would imagine you you may have felt something along those lines as well.
2: Yeah, and and I I often kind of when I when I. When I talk about technology, especially whenever I do a talk or anything, I I love opening with a quote by McKinsey and Company. So uh, about, about three years ago, they they said that we're going to experience um, more progression within um, technology over the next decade than we have in the last one hundred years. No way. And um, and that's kind of it's kind of <laughs> a, it's a lovely it's a, a lovely quote to open a talk up with because it kind of has a bit of an impact. That quote.
0: Can I share a quote with you, Dan, if I may?
2: Of course, yeah. So
0: I, I, I'm a big fan of sci-fi. I love sci-fi. You've got William uh, Gibson um, reportedly quoted to the press. You know, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And I think that kind of alludes to the point that you were making that AI has always been there. It's just not perhaps distributed where you know where it's noticeable. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that before, and I think that, that is fascinating. <laughs> and I suppose it does just take a company like like um, OpenAI to to democratize it really and get it yeah yeah and 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 i don't know about you but the first time i ever used it i kind of that quote that i'd been using for so long suddenly became real it wasn't just it wasn't just a theoretical thing of or there's going to be progress at some point i mean anyone anyone who's anyone tells you that
0: could you could you pen those feelings down was it a sense of admiration was it a sense of awe was it excitement what did you feel inside when you suddenly realized the power of this uh, this, this new chatbot that was on the scene
2: um i guess i'm not entirely sure to be honest i, I think i kind of just thought like i mean this type of technology you imagine it from when you were from when you were a kid and you're watching sci-fi movies and yeah and and, and i think when you actually see it, it's almost like a bit of a disbelief, and then you ask. So you ask it. I, I kind of. I, so I suppose I was kind of in disbelief, really. So I, I, ask it another question, and I ask it another question, and then the more you ask it, the more you kind of think actually this is real. This is actually happening.
0: Have you ever asked it if it was sentient?
2: I haven't. No, probably too afraid of the answer. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. I think we I'm, I'm. I'm digressing oh, here. It's yeah. it's just interesting to hear like
0: your, your experiences, but I I see it with you know educators that I work with today. You know, initially kind of uh, slightly aloof to the uh, to the to the concept of machine learning and, and AI, and when you show them what it can do in a matter of seconds, and you suddenly see their eyes pick up and think, "This is going to save me so much time." Um, yeah, yeah, it's
2: pretty, uh, uh, I, I, I kind of um. I'm in a lucky position for because because I, I train teachers around the world on this pretty much. On a day, is that I get to see that kind of jaw dropping moment um,
0: every day? I would imagine. Yeah.
2: And, I, and I think <laughs> I, if it comes, out, I, you know what it's like when you're used to seeing something yourself every day. You just get a bit blase about it, and I'm like, oh yeah, well we could let let let's ask it a question, and I quickly skip over that bit, and actually I I have to remind myself actually even just even just asking it a basic question is very impressive yeah yeah and and yeah i guess you know what i think i going back to that moment when i first realized i think just this idea of possibilities came into my head where i just and i I think this is probably to to most people who've used it where you just suddenly start like little light bulbs start going off in your head and you start thinking wow what it could what it could be used for this 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 yeah 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 start just getting loads of things wow And, and actually a lot of the technology already exists for this to be applied to millions of different, in
0: different so what so so Dan, what, what would you say then to those teachers that may perhaps fear this new technology because there is obviously discourse out there uh, suggesting that you know AI is going to replace teachers, it's going to replace jobs. You know, is is there a, a message that you would like to put put out there? Um, to to that to that concern Uh, you know a genuine concern of of teachers the replacement of the workforce you know it can ai get that powerful that it could replace a teacher
2: i I don't think it'll replace teachers i think i think what it will do is it will replace some of the jobs of teachers and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because i think the kind of jobs that it will replace will be the types of jobs that that kind of stop teachers being teachers that makes sense. and I I think it'll change the job. I think we'll have to, and I'm thinking, I'm not thinking of immediately for this, probably within the next few years, but I think it'll change probably what our focus is. Um, and and kind of the skills that we have to to teach the the students in front of us.
3: This show is brought to you in partnership with JohnCat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out! Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today happy reading in terms
0: yeah in terms of those changes i suppose what you know how do you think these changes are necessarily going to be positive like do you think it's going to improve the user experience of education i'm talking about our core stakeholders here like students do you think the adoption of ai in the education sector is going to benefit our the students that we serve
2: 100 percent, yeah absolutely i think i think probably the the main theme or the main kind of component that of education that it changes is i think it'll make education a lot more personalized and i think anything that's personalized more to a specific user like you say mm. is, is a good thing um i know that you know there's it's it's become kind of um almost like taboo to talk about differentiation and things like these days because because obviously the the teacher the teacher workload of having to prepare so many materials or scaffold so much is it can just get crazy especially if you're teaching five lessons a day or something like that yeah. yeah and it just and i think we we've kind of in recent months recent years we've kind of gone back to going right let's just teach everyone in the class the same thing let's um and I and I think we're I think there's a lot of students missing out. I think there's a lot of students who need to maybe go a bit slower. Who need more help. Some students on the opposite end who need to go faster. Who need to be progressing a lot faster. I mean, to be honest, age. We we group students by age in, in school. Um, age is is it's just it. I mean, I, I, I was just about to say age is just a number, but. I, I, that's a, <laughs> quite a cliche but um, you know what I mean. Like the, the 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 level of students in in front of you, um, to 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 just group them because of age, with hmm. students and it, and it hinders others. Um, so is that,
0: it, you know, is that how we group adults? You know, when you go into the workforce, do you yeah. kind of, are you grouped into like an age category? Therefore, you are there because I've met trainee teachers that are older than me, and uh, you know, uh, I, I see your point there. Um, Absolutely.
2: I mean, look at what Mark Zuckerberg was head of Facebook in his early twenties, like multi-million dollar company it was then, and and people are people are at different levels, and that it's a it's a that it's bad or, or or better levels. It's just people learn at different levels. People, people, That's how that's how life is. And I think to offer a more personalised experience of education where where students can get personal, more personalised support so they're not having to vie for the attention of a teacher who's got 30 students in front of them. But actually, we've got the technology they're getting support from something like a, a, a chatbot or whatever we'll have in the next year, so built on top of that. Um, mm. I, think, I think it can only be a good thing, really. And I think, I think the only thing that's going to... I might be being a bit controversial in saying this, but the only thing that would make it negative is if a if an educational organization, the school doesn't doesn't keep up and almost hinders the use of these technologies so that students aren't learning the skills, aren't learning um, what they need to thrive and have those benefits and then also have the skills to be successful when they leave that
0: school. I know, I mean what what you're discussing there is the concept of the future school. Um that the future school in you know uh, you, you've met you, in fact you hit so many nails on the head there you talk about personalized learning now the future school most certainly would advocate a personal experience to the education that students receive um, but also you talk about the digital literacy the di- digital fluency that schools need to adopt and embracing technology because the reality is and I, I, I assume that you would agree with me here Dan that you know these students are going to be growing into a world that is rapidly changing and regardless of whether we hold back this technology it's always going to be there and if schools do not adopt or assimilate or at least you know have some understanding of this tech there's a there's a risk that those schools will be left behind um whilst other schools then pro- progress forward um
2: and, and and to be honest this is not new is it i mean covid really kind of highlighted the 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 digital divide within Mm. regions within schools um between schools and also within schools and i think i think it really highlighted that the students who have access to technology and have the skills to use technology and um the divide between students who who don't have that is huge and and i think we're going to get this is going to entrench that divide even more yeah, because those who, those students who do have access and the skills to use artificial intelligence, it's it's gonna it, the digital divide is just gonna become too wide if we if if we do get schools who bury their head in the sand and and actually focus on the fears rather than the benefits. Are you,
0: are you familiar with the IB, the International Baccalaureate in in A yeah. levels, Dan? yeah, yeah so. Are you aware that um, I think it was uh, within this week or the last um, where the head of uh, assessing or head of assessment materials or whatever has decided that uh, I think it's for one course or one unit of the IB where students will be allowed to use uh, chatbots like chat GPT, for example, um, you know, in in, within the assessment itself. So you've already got, you know, some leaders within uh, education, within in this case, the IB making that conscious decision that this is a tech that students need to know how to cite or know how to reference, know how to use to benefit their their future their future learning. Um, yeah, gone, uh,
2: gone. Go yeah, I'm I'm aware of that, and I think I think it's to be honest, it's that's what needs to happen. Really, we need to we need to to grab this and just and and not. Ignore it. I uh, uh, translated um a, f- a few days ago a great guide, uh it's by the Department for Schools and Education of the State of North Rhine, Westphalia in Germany, and they created a document for their for their schools. Um, it's about a ten-page document, and it essentially goes through the the benefits, the limitations, the of what they know so far about the technology. Yeah. And it also, kind of gives suggestions about how to use it in the classroom, how to use it in assessment, um, how to how to use it to plan lessons, and it it's such a forward document. Just and so is we're aware of it, we're aware of the limitations, but here's here are a few ways you can start to benefit from it right and, and that will have to be revised uh, absolutely over the coming months and years probably 10 20 times I imagine but the fact that some places and I was I was on I was doing some um, work with a college today in Wales yeah. who were really grabbing this by the horns and going for it and I think there was educational organizations that that run with it early and start playing with it early. Going to get the benefits, early. and I think back to your point before: the key stakeholder is the students, and the ones benefit ultimately. And even we're, so, we're even in a divide now by the school, the schools, colleges, universities who are who are,
0: who are adopting the tech now, yeah, who
2: are, yeah, who are going for it, even though it's imperfect. There's data protection worries around it. There's there's bias. There's there's so many limitations to this, and so many cautions, but. The ones who are going to succeed with it start having a goal of it now.
0: Well, this, it's interesting you mentioned, like, because this is leading into another question I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, what what are the ethical considerations that, you know, educators should be taking into account? Because this does kind of feel like the Wild West of AI, doesn't it? Like, you've got these new platforms that are being used. You know, should there be ethical considerations? Should there be ethical, you know, uh, policy set up before the usage or... Should it just be that any school can adopt it, not adopt it, do what they want with it, etc.?
2: Yeah, I think so, and I think probably the number one rule here is um, outsource the doing, not the thinking. So you you Go want on. to be in charge of of what this, of what ChatGPT or whatever um, other AI you're using does. You wanna you, you need to be very specific with with the prompts that you give it. So to know what's coming out of it is is going to be of quality, and then you need to evaluate it. You need to you need to critically analyze what it's given you because um, there it, it it's essentially a database that takes information um, from the internet or from wherever whatever information has been trained on, and that information was created by humans, and humans have bias. Uh, especially if you I mean chat Gpt3 which which we're all kind of having a go with at the minute was is was fed 300 billion words worth of information from the internet sure sort of areas. now there is there'll be a lot of bias in there I mean you, you just have to put the news on to see bias you, like it's it's everywhere at the, at the moment as we live in a very polarized um, Society and in our politics and in other spheres of our lives, so that a lot of the material out there is biased. It's discriminatory as well. And what it does is it takes that. It doesn't just. To be fair to the technology, it doesn't just regurgitate information. It works out. It has the most impressive thing about this technology is its ability mm. to work out the the probability of something being kind of the correct response. That's that's the real impressive thing about this AI. So it does a good job of it, but some biases still get through. Um, some discriminatory um, ideas or concepts still come through. So the human in the process still has to be so active. And I, think... I, I... sorry,
0: go yeah, no, you carry. It. If you, you finish your point, because I, I just want to add on to this at the end if i may so if you if you can continue on for us then
2: yeah i thought well, i was just going to say i think and it, it kind of links into that you might want to get into this eventually but the whole kind of plagiarism cheating argument that if we just use this tech and go right produce some content produce a bit of work do this for me and then we take it and and start applying it straight away or, or we hand it in as a bit of work straight away or we give it to students as a bit of content straight away um, that's not that's not clever. It's not a good use of technology. I mean, to be fair, I could I could just go into Wikipedia and copy and paste it and give it to my students. I could type mm. into Google near resource on the Second World War, find the first article or website I find and copy and paste it and not even read it. I mean, that kind of laziness, that kind of over reliance on on technology is not it's not just ai it's to do with technology in general and i suppose anyone who uses technology in that way is, is is just asking to 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 be tripped up really so i think what we need to do is and and i think it, again this links perfectly back to the point of that it's not going to replace humans because we still need the, the expert the human the teacher who knows their stuff who who is literate who 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 is balanced in their views to be able to to pick apart the information it's coming with. And and but and then we get better. I mean mm-hmm. there's there's companies working on ways how to how to remove the bias and, and anything like that. And that that will happen one hundred percent. The way this technology is is speeding up and, and, and going, it will happen. But there's always well, gonna be room for the human to, to determine how to use the information.
0: Well I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of our audience and like the the, the theme of the show is leading in the twenty first century. You know, I want this to kinda of go out there to you know, leaders within education. And from what I'm picking up there, it, there's as much of a, a, a pressure on educational leaders to train staff to be able to critically analyse the prompts that are provided. I think you've made that, you know, plainly clear for your words there, you know, in terms of outsourcing the doing, not the thinking, and training your staff body up to be able to do that and to do it successfully and to do it ethically, to do it so that it doesn't you know strip away you know what we do as practitioners you know as you said earlier on in the show you know do not strip away the teacher from the teacher you know the the, the chatbot is there to complement the teacher to 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 act as an assistant almost you know a, a second voice that could moderate and help guide you through structures now before we break for the news i've got one final question for you um, if you don't mind dan um what what do you see as like the long term future of ai in ai in education and how can we prepare for that i know we've kind of alluded to this question but what you know i'm talking long term like 2050 you know because i'm still i'm i'm still going to be teaching in 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 that time i can see myself in 2050 i'd like to know what kind of school you think i'm going to be working in uh,
2: yeah i mean i'm not sure i can give you a short answer for this but <laughs> That's cool. We've we got we got five minutes. Are we? Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I'll go for it. right. So, um, is, uh, another project I have is is a I I kind of have a a company with two other teachers called Edgy Futurists, and and as part of Edgy Futurists, we do we kind of research the future of education. As part of that, we do a weekly podcast. So we essentially get someone who is innovating in education from around the world, and we interview mm-hmm. them about what what the impact is and how successful it is. What we've noticed, and and, and bear with me, because I'm not going to talk about AI here, but it will. Mm-hmm. Be a second. What I've what we've noticed is that over the last couple of years, probably since since COVID, really, the amount of online schools that have popped up and and actually are doing really successfully, um, and and they're private as well, so they're not kind of linked to to kind of estate Indeed, yeah uh, they're they're privately backed um, the amount is is huge there's, there's so many of them and so we i've spoke to a lot of them i spoke to and and become become um, i was going to say friends we're probably not friends yet but we're um, become <laughs> I, I know uh, a guy called josh down who who set up a school with elon musk um, and he elon musk Back to his school. It's called Synthesis, and and they, they kind of run that from California in in the states. And their whole kind of reason for existence is they gather students from around the world and um, to problem solve and to communicate with each other and to collaborate. And that's kind of their whole the whole vision of their school, because they see that actually in industry one of the the real missing points. One of the real needs and skills is the ability to to problem solve and to collaborate and communicate to get there. So these are popping up everywhere. So before kind of last year, I already kind of thought, well, you know what? In the next few years, these online schools are going to be knocking at the door of the education systems. They they will be. And I I spoke to uh, Gerd Leonhard, who's a who's quite a well known uh, mm. futurist. Uh, German fella who's who brought loads of books out about where he sees kind of the future of technology going, and he he's adamant that the next Google, the next kind of billion dollar corporation, is gonna be an education company that provides um, education. He says, and I and I think I think I agree with him. I think that for a long time the education system is avoided disruption, like um, David Price. Uh, great guy great author said that if you took a surgeon from 100 years ago and put them in a in a in a modern day surgery in a hospital they wouldn't have a clue what to do they they would be baffled it's a it it would be very very different if you took a teacher from 100 years ago and put them in a teacher put them in a the classroom right now they'd probably just be to crack on with it i think they would
0: i think like the, the sector is kind of i've I've always alluded to it being in some schools i've worked stuck in the 19th century yeah. you know you know you know desks in rows facing the front kind of like a, a prison almost from what i'm hearing there it sounds like we'll not need bricks and mortar schools anymore well, but maybe but i think perhaps we would need them because they'd be they'd be serving a
2: different purpose almost i, I don't know yeah no I, I know where you're going with this and i completely agree because i Because there's still the need for 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 kind of human connection, isn't it? There's still the need for yeah, yeah, and 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 actually, we once you start going down this avenue, you you start actually trying to get to the root of what actually is education. Because is it is it just the transfer of information? Is it the building of skills, or is it the forming of a human being? And and if you were going to say that, and and I think we probably all would say it's it's not just knowledge; it's the forming of character character. formation. Yes,
0: Dan, like it's been. Absolutely brilliant chatting to you. I mean, a lot of what you've discussed there is going to feed into the next segment of the show, which is the Future School. Um, you, you just alluded there to the global globalisation of education, which is pretty much a feature in, in the next part of the show. But I do need to let you go. Um, thank you ever so much um, for taking the time of a Friday evening um, to to connect with us. Um, I, I, I really do appreciate it. And it'd be great to collaborate with yourself again in the future, you know, just give me a shout anytime you need anything and, and whatever, yeah.
2: Yeah, thanks, Mark. I Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, and have a great weekend, everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Catch you later. Dan. Thank you very much. Okay. So over to the news now. Thank you for uh, staying with us, guys. Let's chuck on the news for you, and let's have some.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
4: The iNews website covers the issue of vaping in schools. Whilst vaping is thought to have helped many adults kick their unhealthy smoking habits, the rise in straight to vaping in young people and children rings alarm bells for many. The report focuses on concerns expressed by teachers about antsy pupils struggling with the wait for their next fix, vapors making school toilets frightening places as they gather in groups, increases in internal truancy, and worries it may lead to pupils experimenting with stronger substances. Some schools have made significant changes to toilets to include sophisticated sensors which set off an alarm when e-cigarettes are used, whilst others have increased numbers of staff on duty in corridors to deter pupils from skipping lessons in order to vape. Many schools have also invited police and health specialists in to talk about vaping in a bid to educate pupils on the dangers. Many schools across the UK now ban vapes, treating them like other banned items such as drugs and knives. This is prompting suspensions and other high level sanctions in a bid to remove them from schools. England's Chief Medical Officer, Professor Sir Chris Whitty, said last week that the number of children vaping was appalling and heavily criticised companies which produce them in flavours such as Green Gummy Bear and Watermelon Bubblegum. The bright colours, shapes reminiscent of highlighter pens, and the low cost of around £5 making them attractive to youngsters with pocket money to spare, which Whitty described as utterly unacceptable. The proportion of 11-17 to 17 year olds who say they have tried vaping rose from 14% to 16% in 2022, according to a YouGov survey, with a percentage of children who regularly vape doubling in the same time period. The article also features references to Teachers Talk Radio's Tom Rogers' tweet asking how much of a problem vaping was for schools, with many replies indicating it is a serious cause for concern. Full details of the article are available online. In related news, many media outlets have been reporting on so-called school protests, which seem to be focused on toilets and the right to use them as a key issue, according to multiple stories, pupils have been encouraged to protest about rules focused on restricting free access to toilets by posts on social media platforms such as TikTok. The majority of the schools affected make it clear that rules around access to toilets are made for safeguarding purposes, designed to protect all pupils and to minimize bullying, vaping, and other antisocial behaviors. The Evening Standard reports that a quarter of UK student gamblers may be experiencing harm whilst half said betting had affected their university experience. The survey of over 2,000 students at UK universities was conducted in December. It found that 71% of the respondents had gambled in the last 12 months, with 24% exhibiting problem gambling behaviour. Of the students who said gambling had had an impact on their experiences at university, 13% said they'd had trouble paying for food, 10% had missed lectures, and 9% struggled to pay bills. A third of student gamblers said they spent between 11 to 20 pounds per week, with 13% admitting to a spend of between 50 and 100 pounds per week. Only 55% of those surveyed were aware that support for them was available through their universities. Full details of the report are due at the end of February. Finally, Aberdeen Live reports on a project led by the University of Aberdeen, which has led to a successful trial of a new approach to teaching, which is helping improve adult literacy in Rwanda. The project adapted the existing adult educational curriculum to better develop relevant knowledge and skills which can be applied in students' daily lives. These techniques included role play, group activities, case studies and problem solving. Previously, only 14% of those pursuing an adult learning course felt they had gained the skills they needed, with 66% still unable to read and 76% unable to write by the end of the course. The new method showed improvements in multiple areas, with adults retaining their knowledge and skills, which were linked to nutrition and hygiene, improved household income, animal husbandry and becoming community leaders.
0: Okay, welcome back to the show. Sorry, uh, my dog just decided to... Have a little crazy moment there. Um, apologies. Um, so um, I hope that you guys had enjoyed the um, interview with Dan. There, um, I certainly found it riveting to discuss, you know, the future of education, as well as um, you know the, the the prospect, the AI, um, the prospects of AI on our sector. Um, most certainly, you know, there's there's a lot for us to kind of chew over, and I hope now within this next segment. You know I'm going to kind of discuss with you all you know what the future of education may look like now obviously welcome back to the show um, obviously we are discussing the latest trends in education innovations insights etc um, and I want to use this next segment just to kind of introduce the concept of the future school now as educators we know how education has evolved over the years, you know, from chalkboards to smartboards. But the the question still remains, what does the future hold for our sector, especially being, and we've just heard it there from Dan himself, you know, technology is advancing at such a rate, that it's going to have rapidly transformative um, impact on the sector that we know and love so well. Um, Now, the future school, is not just a buzzword or a fleeting trend, as we sometimes hear on on social media, etc. You know, it's a full on transformation of education that is already happening in classrooms from around the world. You know, we've just had Dan there speaking about these kind of privately invested schools from across the globe. Um, where these global communities, this, edu- this global education community is, is forming to really get the best thinkers and problem solvers together, or at least to kind of educate them together in, in, in a single place uh, online in the digital realms. But also, um, and I'll be referring to Valerie Hannon, um, a researcher that worked alongside, um, in conjunction with UCL, um, had produced a think piece uh, that provides... You know a detailed look at what um, a future school in, in, entails um, but I think for, the, for the, this part of the show let's just dive into it and see what this what it's all about this concept of a future school now at its core the future school is an innovative approach to education that's designed to equip students with the skills that they will need to tackle the challenges and opportunities of the 21st century, you know, the the century that we're living in at the moment, the rapidly changing century that seems to throw new tech at us every um, few years or so. It's a radical departure from the traditional model of education that emphasizes kind of that rote memorization, standardized testing, and a kind of one-size-fits-all approach to teaching and learning. Now in future schools, um, students are not just passive learners, you know, they are active participants in their own education. You know, they are encouraged to explore, to experiment, to collaborate, uh, if you will, with their peers and their teachers to develop the critical thinking, problem solving, creativity, and the communication skills that are su- success, uh, essential for the success in the modern world. But I'd imagine some of you are sat there thinking, well, that's no different from what we do now. You know, how is it different? You know, what, what makes the future school so different from the schools that we're teaching in now? Because I certainly are covering lots of those skills there in terms of, you know, the communication, the collaboration, the exploration of subjects, et cetera. You know, as educators, we take that stuff to heart. You know, it's what we do. It's our job. It's at the it's the sea that we swim in, if you uh, don't don't mind me quoting Yurik Murningson from Philip Pullman's Northern Lights there. Um, now, in the future school, though, you know, for starters, it it, it is different it's characterized by a number of key features that do set them apart from your traditional school models now these features um you could argue these are the principles that uh, valerie hannon kind of refers to you know the, the research the think piece that she did actually you know she worked in conjunction with some of the you know future thinking organizations in the globe not future thinking as in like they're predicting the future but organizations that are readying themselves preparing themselves for a future yet unseen now those companies that are sitting on the edge of you know uh, techn- technology the ones that are just waiting for it to happen and then spur into the future because they were prepared for it now these future thinking organizations all shared together a set of kind of design principles that kind of glued them together now these principles can be broken down into sets of values. And from that, we can then start to look at these different archetypes of these companies and apply them to the education sector. So, you know, these uh, archetypes may include, you know, the promotion of digital learning and the promotion of technology. You may have a school that champions this, for example. Um, It could be A school that champions, like the values-driven approach, uh, the ethical approach to leadership, for example. And by values-driven, we're talking, you know, that concept of character formation, building the human being based on the values that we hold dear. Values which we will allude to as we uh, continue on in this program. Um, uh, Also, another archetype, and we've already discussed this, is that concept of global learning. You know, we're no longer going to be sitting in in those bricks and mortar schools isolated from the world. If you're not a part of a trust already, you know, if you think becoming a part of a trust, scary, just imagine becoming a part of the global school, if that is the future in 2050. Um, but as practitioners, perhaps we better start thinking and preparing for this future unseen in case it does happen. You know, we want to be malleable. We want to be adaptable so that we can continue on doing what we love most. And that is building the human being after all. Um, finally there is the concept of steam education uh, you guys will probably be familiar with the concept of stem science technology uh, engineering mathematics the a in stem steam represents art um i think quite often art is overlooked as a subject within schools but personally i'm, I'm an english teacher i absolutely love english uh, but i also am a huge fan of the 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 arts and, and especially um art and design i think you know if 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 I'd walked a different path in life, perhaps I would be an art teacher today. Now, we will start off discussing digital learning because I've already alluded to this in previous shows with you. Um, I write about it a lot online. Um, And I think we just do a quick whistle stop tour of this concept before we move on. So digital learning, as we mentioned before, refers to the use of technology and digital tools to enhance the learning experience. It encompasses a wide range of resources and strategies from online classes and interactive apps to educational games and simulations. By leveraging the power of technology, digital learning aims to create a more engaging, interactive and personalised learning experience for students. So why is digital learning such an important part of the future school? For one, it reflects the reality of the world that students are growing up in. In today's digital age, technology is ubiquitous and constantly evolving and students need to be equipped with the skills and knowledge to navigate and thrive in this environment. Digital learning also has the potential to make learning more accessible and inclusive by breaking down geographical and social economic barriers and providing students with a more flexible and adaptable learning experience. You know, strip away, you know, the the, the difficulties that we have perhaps in, you know, in, in this current age of ours in the 20th century. Strip away those biases. Okay, if we can provide a digital experience for all of our students, then we have an equal playing field. Everybody can have access to education, regardless of their background, regardless of their needs, for example. Now, examples of digital learning that may include online classes. We've all been there. Some loved it, some didn't. I I for one I I quite I, I relished it I loved teaching on, on online but I wouldn't kind of do it full full time no chance I I'd, I'd like that human connection, um, interactive apps educational games simulations, but I think digital learning is more than just those interactive games etc. Digital learning is about setting up an environment online that your students can kind of tune into plug into if if you will, like. I'm currently experimenting with the digitalization of my English classrooms. And it's more than just setting up, say, like a Google Classroom. It's more than just setting up like a, a Teams um, uh, group and setting homework on. You know, there's a the level of interactivity that the students can can work on. So if there is a student, for example, that needs a bit of additional support or, or is afraid to put their hand up and ask you the question in the classroom because of their own you know anxieties or their own you know uh, not wanting to be pinpointed out etc all they need to do is type a, a question in the chat box and it takes away the pressure and the the, the, the feeling of angst the feelings that you may sometimes feel i mean uh, uh, perhaps i'm speaking to the wrong audience here but i certainly felt this at school sometimes when picked upon to answer a question or I know some of you probably won't believe this, but those of you that know me, but actually, you know, feeling that feeling of mortifying. I remember sitting in history classes and being asked questions by my very strict history teacher, Mister um, Th- uh, Mister Thomas. Actually, he was my NUT rep when I first started um, teaching as well. But you know, I remember not being able to answer questions on the agricultural revolution, and his hands would slam down onto the desk beside my head to wake me up, and it was mortifying. Um, to have the option to then perhaps ask him a question by just typing in a you know a message chat box on, on my phone, just say, oh so you know, what was the weight of that pig again? <laughs> Something along those lines. Um it, it perhaps may have helped me learn more about the agricultural revolution that that he he was trying to teach us. Um so I suppose what I'm trying to get across to you here in terms of that digital sphere, that digital space to learn. Think about the way that you operate your lives on the digital sphere. If, you, if you're, a, you know, if you, if you use social media, if you have a digital network at your school, the way that you interact with each other online is the way that students will be interacting with each other online in the future because they are growing into that world. They are already in that world, but that world is dominated by social media apps that are pulling their attention away from the things that matter in this case, education. So I think it's our moral responsibility as school leaders to train students, to train this newer generation on how they can utilise the space online to benefit themselves and to benefit others in a collaborative and sufficient way. And it all starts really by having that online presence, that online community. My colleague, actually, um, Ben Martin, had set up a house competition um, it's the Sutton House Cup, actually, that we have at our school. And this this huge competition, which has got great like enthusiasm from all of the classes, and I just have to put it out there, that it is my house that are currently winning, and watching them play football today against Empathy, 4-0. Oh my God, we are totally winning the Sutton House Cup, but... The point i'm making here is mr martin has placed this o- online and that is going to galvanize support for the, the the sutton house cup you know the competitions are posted there there's input from the students there there's input from the staff there collaboratively we're working together to build that competitive that prideful competi- competitive nature culture within our schools and that's the sort of digital experience that we're looking for here that's engagement on on a much more deeper level than just you know perhaps having a a fancy game in your classroom now typically I would give some story time to this part of the show Um, however I'm just conscious of our time you know the story is very similar to our story from last week but we can save that for another show I am sure now it's time to explore another essential aspect of the future school global learning I'm going to go through this fairly quickly because we heard a lot of this from Dan just before. Now, global learning is about expanding horizons, developing a mindset that, uh, you know, values diverse perspectives and cultures and ideas. In a world that's increasingly interconnected, it's essential for students to understand and appreciate different perspectives to succeed in their personal and professional lives. So what does global learning look like in practice? Here are some examples. We've got the cross-cultural exchange programs. You know, these programs allow students to travel to other countries and experience different cultures firsthand. Um, you know, I remember teaching some German boys that came to what the first school that I worked at, and you know, Peter, uh, one of them, was very complimentary over the, the time and effort I put into developing his English speaking skills. Uh, we've got online collaborations with technology. I've just discussed that at length as well. Um, we've got collaboration you know uh, with you know uh, different cultures across the the cultural competencies etc you know teachers could help students develop their cultural competency by incorporating cultural diversity into their curriculums you know including the teaching of different cultures etc religions histories and encouraging respectful dialogue about sensitive topics Um, we've got global citizenship initiatives as well like it could be that you may run an eco club, for example. You know, if you are a global citizen, then you know what are you doing in 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 terms of protecting that global environment? Perhaps, um, you know, by incorporating global learning into the curriculum, what I'm suggesting here is that schools can develop a global mindset that prepares them for success in the rapidly changing world that they that our students live in. It's not just about learning facts and figures it's about developing those kind of core values like empathy for example like cultural awareness a sense of responsibility for making a positive impact in the world and you know through through the words of my esteemed colleague dr millard you know these kids that we're teaching today this generation they are the ones that are going to have to be making the big decisions in you know when when we reach uh you know our retirement they're the ones that are going to be deciding what to do with the energy crisis they are the ones that are going to be deciding how to navigate the 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 the, the disruption that technology will cause and i would like to think that we've skilled those students up enough to make those well-informed decisions um now global learning is not just uh, about the curriculum we said it's also about the school um, culture now the future school fosters an inclusive and diverse community that values and celebrates the different um, backgrounds of, of and cultures and experience you know it creates a safe and supportive environment where students can learn and grow Without fear of discrimination or prejudice, and I know again this sounds very similar to what we aim for inside of schools, but deeply and truly, you know, you want to sh- shatter that that presumption, that assumption that it, it exists. I've worked in schools where the rhetoric is there, you know, our students are. Um, mindful our students do not discriminate our students do not feel prejudice but then when you start to scratch beneath the surface you see well actually there's huge prejudice taking place here there are segments of students that are segregated from other groups you know that's that's not the future school the future school truly is a place which is you know discrimination free So global learning then is a critical aspect of the future school in that it prepares students for success in the rapidly changing world, as we've discussed by developing that global mindset. Students can broaden their horizons, deepen their empathy and become responsible and engaged citizens of the world, essentially the world that we are going to be living in as they care for us. Now, um, we have been exploring the the future school at length and I just kind of want to tie that in with the concept of the four C's of 21st century education. And these are all words that have been used throughout this show so far. The four C's, if you're not familiar with them, are critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity. Again, they may sound like buzzwords, they do kind of prop up here and there within social media feeds etc. But I, for one, firmly believe in and am quite passionate about making sure that these four C's are central to the curriculum that I've designed and delivering to my students, obviously in line with the national curriculum. But having these four C's alongside helps me direct and And it helps me kind of, I kind of feel it's my moral responsibility to kind of develop these skills inside of the classroom. Now, we all know that the world is rapidly changing and so are the skills that are required to succeed in it. And it's these four skills that are essential for every student to develop. And they're highly emphasised in modern educational frameworks as i've as i've alluded to you know that whole concept of critical thinking for example dan was alluding to it's not just the students that need to be able to critically analyze and critically think but it's also staff even in this new landscape of educational um, technology and and artificial intelligence and chatbots etc our staff need to be trained up to to critically analyze the content that they are viewing now critical thinking you know, is a skill and it refers to that ability to analyse information and to evaluate the arguments and draw logical conclusions for ourselves. It's about questioning those assumptions. It's looking at things from a different perspective. Um, And the reason why it's such an important skill for the 21st century is because students will be growing up in a world that is saturated with misinformation. It's going to be saturated with fake news. It's going to be saturated, even with deep fakes. When it gets to it, it won't be long before long until you know you could superimpose a teacher's face onto any video that's on there on the web. Just think of the, 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 the safeguarding concerns that are going to hit the the, the education sector when deep fakes um, <laughs> eventually arise. Um, and critical thinking is there for for, for us to teach the students to kind of really think twice about what it is that they're viewing. Is this genuine information? Is this authentic? Um, And that's why it's more important than ever before. Uh, Moving on, though, we have communication. This skill is about articulating our thoughts and ideas clearly um, and effectively, both verbally and in writing. Um And this is a skill that I take to heart very much, so because I want to develop the communication skills of my students in writing, in read uh, their understanding of reading the written word, uh, but also in speaking, the way they articulate themselves. Because I believe there's a lot of power to be had in those that are able to use words as a weapon. Just today, actually, I was listening to In Our Time, a show about druids of all things, and they were talking about how druids would use curses and curse words, and that was actually quite a prevalent and um, impactful thing that kind of really did harrow and, and steer off the Romans that were coming in to slaughter them. I just think words have a lot of power, and if we can teach students to be able to talk, they'll be able to kind of face the world head on and, and not be taken advantage of, perhaps. Um, obviously, it's a fast paced world, and communication is going to be key in order to navigate that world. Now, collaboration is the third skill that we will be discussing. It's about working effectively with others towards a common goal, including problem solving, decision making, and conflict resolution. Collaboration It's not just about working together, but it's about leveraging the diverse strengths of each team member to achieve success. So yes, you can collaborate in, in a classroom. Yes, you can you know, working groups in the classroom, but collaboration is that step further where you are developing the leaders within that class, and you're encompassing everybody to have to, to contribute in in whatever they feel str- strong strength into uh, contributing. Now, creativity, the final C in our four C's here, is the ability to think outside of the box, to generate new ideas, and approach problems in those innovative and creative uh, ways. Um, you know, breaking free from that traditional thinking. And I, I think together, those four skills form the backbone of 21st century education. They kind of sit as that backbone of the, of, of the future school alongside those, those archetypes that we've discussed, um, discussed prior. I mean, I didn't even touch upon um, STEAM uh, and, and the values-driven approach, which I suppose I really should do, do now in terms of steam obviously the the a the artistic approaches that creative creative approach um, and it's i i feel anyway that those steam subjects are absolutely crucial um, for the 21st century in fact i believe you know experts have predicted that 65% of children entering primary school today as in uh, today will end up working in jobs that don't yet exist and we've heard that i'm certain you guys have heard that phrase many times before but that's a you know that's a genuine reality the job the jobs that our, our students will be entering and walking into by the time they reach an age to be working and entering their working lives their professional lives they're going to be walking into a world that looks very different from the world that we're in now fast forward another 10 years you know into their future you know the world is going to change even more so even more rapidly and it might be that these students are going to have to completely reinvent themselves re-educate themselves to learn a new host of skills for a new host of jobs continually you know gone are the days where you could take my father for example you know get yourself a a, a job work there day in day out um, for the foreseeable future, for your lifetime. You know, gone are the days where you will just be working a single job, you know, from the moment you leave school to the moment that you retire. You know, the jobs of the future uh, are going to are going to be varied. They are going to change. They are going to morph into jobs that we, we don't even know. And I, th- I suppose what I'm trying to get at here is that It's important for us to prepare our students by developing those four Cs, the critical thinking, the communication, the collaboration, the creativity to think of new novel ways to reinvent themselves, be able to do that. You know, just just think for a second how stressful it is to experience change. You know, imagine losing your job today, because and this is a worst case scenario. Let's say AI does strip away the need for teachers. So schools suddenly like, okay, the AI clearly can teach better than humans. so we're just going to employ AI now. Now, let's worst case scenario. Let's say that does happen. What happens then to the teachers? Where would you go? What job will you do? Think of the stress that that will incite upon you. You know, you are going to have to reinvent yourself as a human being. You have to reinvent yourself. Perhaps look for another skill set that you can go out there and apply your skills in this sector or that sector or this sector. You're going to have to reinvent yourself, your identity. Now, thankfully. I don't think that's going to happen to us. But the generations that we're teaching, there is a real possibility that it will happen to them. Every decade there is going to be, you know, a new set of jobs or older jobs being replaced or being uh, taken away by robots or machine learning or AI, whatever it may be. And we have that moral responsibility to, to prepare students for that. And that's where the future school comes in, because the future school is an, an initiative as i said that strips away from the old systems that we are working on and preparing students to 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 thrive in the 21st century now we've got 15 minutes of the show left before i play the news because i think we'll end on the news here i'm sorry uh, teacher talk radio i may have uh, overrun ever so slightly here um, i do want to play the segment Um, that I know you all love and cherish so much. Um, This is Did You Know? Now, Did You Know? is the segment of the show where I will share with you Several facts, really, about the content that we have been exploring just as a way just to kind of give you some more information. Things that I found quite interesting um, online that I think would be of some benefit to you, my audience. So let's start. In 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic forced schools around the world to shift online, leading to a surge in the adoption of digital tools and platforms by august 2020 more than 1.2 billion students in 186 countries were affected by school closures making it the largest disruption to education in history write that one down that will be in a pub quiz in 30 years time what was the largest disruption in education history well august 2020 covid 19 Number two, did you know the term global classroom refers to the idea of using technology to connect students and educators from different parts of the world, allowing them to collaborate and learn from each other. This approach can help promote cultural understanding and prepare students for globalised workforce. Well, I hope you knew that one because that's one that I had shared with you prior. Number three, did you know? A virtual reality, VR for short, technology is increasingly being used in education to create immersive learning experience. For example, students can use VR to explore historical sites or science labs, providing them with a more engaging and interactive way to learn. That's interesting. It really is. I've seen actually... um, Renditions of VR tech where you can go on a virtual tour of the body going inside. Think of the magic school bus where it goes through the the human body and you can go to different parts of it. Brilliant. And did you know, number four, that according to a study by the World Economic Forum by 2025, over half of all current workplace tasks will be performed by machines? 2025. That's a scary figure, isn't it? Compared to just 29 percent today. This highlights the increasing importance of 21st century skills like critical thinking, communication and collaboration. And of course, creativity in preparing students for the workforce. By 2025. Half of all current workplace tasks will be performed by machines. I kid you not, even McDonald's are investing in AI that will flip hundreds of burgers per hour, more so than the human being can. Number five. Did you know that the demand for workers in STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics fields is projected to continue to grow in the coming years? The Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that employment in these fields will grow by 8% from 2019 to 2029, adding over 1 million new jobs. And finally, did you know that a values-driven approach to education has been found to foster greater engagement and motivation among students? A study by the University of Bristol found that schools that prioritise values such as respect, discipline, empathy, courage, integrity, gratitude, links to higher levels of student engagement and motivation than schools that do not practice these values. Now, on that note, I'm going to end the show there. I'm going to play for you our news, uh, final piece of news for today. And I will thank you all for listening. It's been a great show. I've really enjoyed myself. I hope you've enjoyed the show too.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
4: The iNews website covers the issue of vaping in schools. Whilst vaping is thought to have helped many adults kick their unhealthy smoking habits, the rise in straight to vaping in young people and children rings alarm bells for many. The report focuses on concerns expressed by teachers about antsy pupils struggling with the wait for their next fix, vapours making school toilets frightening places as they gather in groups, increases in internal truancy and worries it may lead to pupils experimenting with stronger substances. Some schools have made significant changes to toilets to include sophisticated sensors which set off an alarm when e-cigarettes are used, whilst others have increased numbers of staff on duty in corridors to deter pupils from skipping lessons in order to vape. Many schools have also invited police and health specialists in to talk about vaping in a bid to educate pupils on the dangers. Many schools across the UK now ban vapes, treating them like other banned items such as drugs and knives. This is prompting suspensions and other high level sanctions in a bid to remove them from schools. England's Chief Medical Officer, Professor Sir Chris Whitty, said last week that the number of children vaping was appalling and heavily criticised companies which produce them in flavours such as green gummy bear and watermelon bubblegum. The bright colours, shapes reminiscent of highlighter pens and the low cost of around £5 making them attractive to youngsters with pocket money to spare, which Whitty described as utterly unacceptable. The proportion of 11-17 to 17 year olds who say they have tried vaping rose from 14% to 16% in 2022, according to a YouGov survey with a percentage of children regularly vape doubling in the same time period. The article also features references to Teachers Talk Radio's Tom Rogers' tweet asking how much of a problem vaping was for schools, with many replies indicating it is a serious cause for concern. Full details of the article are available online. In related news, many media outlets have been reporting on so-called school protests, which seem to be focused on toilets and the right to use them, as a key issue. According to multiple stories, pupils have been encouraged to protest about rules focused on restricting free access to toilets by posts on social media platforms such as TikTok. The majority of the schools affected make it clear that rules around access to toilets are made for safeguarding purposes, designed to protect all pupils and to minimise bullying, vaping and other antisocial behaviours. The Evening Standard reports that a quarter of UK student gamblers may be experiencing harm, whilst half said betting had affected their university experience. The survey of over 2,000 students at UK universities was conducted in December. It found that 71% of the respondents had gambled in the last 12 months, with 24% exhibiting problem gambling behaviour. Of the students who said gambling had had an impact on their experiences at university, 13% 13% said they'd had trouble paying for food, 10% had missed lectures, and 9% struggled to pay bills. A third of student gamblers said they spent between 11 to £20 per week, with 13% admitting to a spend of between £50 and £100 per week. Only 55% of those surveyed were aware that support for them was available through their universities. Full details of the report are due at the end of February. Finally, Aberdeen Live reports on a project led by the University of Aberdeen, which has led to a successful trial of a new approach to teaching, which is helping improve adult literacy in Rwanda. The project adapted the existing adult educational curriculum to better develop relevant knowledge and skills which can be applied in students' daily lives. These techniques included role play, group activities, case studies and problem solving. Previously only 14% of those pursuing an adult learning course felt they had gained the skills they needed, with 66% still unable to read and 76% unable to write by the end of the course. The new method showed improvements in multiple areas, with adults retaining their knowledge and skills which were linked to nutrition and hygiene, improved household income, animal husbandry and becoming community leaders. The project was funded by the Scottish Government. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.